Within the beauty of a snow-covered meadow or on the frozen tundra, winter life abounds, though it may be hard to see. Some animals are masterfully camouflaged for winter, but is this feature just a lucky evolutionary benefit? All must be working perfectly to cause the animal to molt one color hair and grow another. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. If you were to look around at different animals in their habitats, you'd see that creatures pretty much blend into the environment in which they live. What's really fascinating is how certain animals in colder regions actually turn white to match their snowy winter surroundings. But where did they get such a clever ability? Listen in for the next 15 minutes as we discuss winter animal camouflage and learn about some of the unique creatures that were created with the ability to change color for the white wintry season. ICR Museum curator Cindy Carlson holds degrees in biology and zoology. She says changing from a brown or gray coat to one that is completely or mostly white makes an animal nearly invisible to predators against the snow-covered winter background. The snowshoe hare is one of these animals. And when winter comes, this animal grows in fur that is completely white except its eyelids and the tips of its ears, which is black. The snowshoe hare is found not only in the Arctic, but also in northern areas of North America and in the higher elevations. It has other traits that help it survive the cold, harsh weather of winter. The white coat of the hare is thicker than the brownish-gray coat of summer. And he also has great big hind feet that are hairy. And this hair is important because it insulates the feet from the snow that it's on most of the time. Another resident of the Arctic that is ingeniously camouflaged is a unique bird which is fully covered with feathers. The ptarmigan is a bird whose feathers molt to white for the winter and then back to brown for spring and summer. It lives in all the northern latitudes on rocky mountainsides and tundra of the far north. It received its Latin name from our hairy-footed friend. Because this bird has feathers on its legs, its genus name is Lagopus, which means hair-footed. That is, like a snowshoe hare's foot. But what's really amazing is that in the spring, when the birds shed their winter coats, male and female ptarmigans are not camouflaged equally. Bible and Science Ministries Director Tom Hoyle of Tacoma, Washington, explains. The female ptarmigans, by now, they're pregnant. They're about to lay eggs. They've got to be protected at all costs against these predators. Well, thanks to divine design, the male ptarmigans, they do not change color for two more weeks. They're still snow white, even though everything around them is green and brown and black and gray. They are sticking out like a sore thumb. Why is that? Well, finally, one ornithologist came to the conclusion that this is a brilliant tactic the male ptarmigans, and I'm sure they're not doing this voluntarily, but they're setting themselves up as diversions. They're decoys. They're snow white, and as a result, the predators can see them very readily. The predators will eat the male ptarmigans, and they will miss out on finding the female ptarmigans, which, of course, are heavily camouflaged. Of course, not every animal that is uniquely camouflaged for winter is considered prey. 
Cindy Carlson tells us about a well-camouflaged predator. Probably the most well-known animal that goes white for the winter is the Arctic fox. Foxes are the smallest of the canid or dog family, and this animal is about the size of a house cat. The Latin name for the Arctic fox is Alapex lagopus. By now you know that lagopus means hare-footed, and again it's for the hairy feet that this animal has to keep it warm when it's walking on snow and ice. Not all Arctic foxes change color, however. Those in the far north where ice and snow cover the ground year-round are white all year. Another predator that stays white, or at least appears to be white most of the time, is the polar bear. Tom Hoyle says this is due to their specially designed covering. Unlike other bears with their fur coats, polar bears, their hair is actually straw-like, and it is hollow. It is hollow because the inside of those hollow hairs have dead air space in them, and this makes for terrific insulation. So very, very unusual hair on the polar bear. Furthermore, polar bear hair, if you want to call it that, it's not white. It's actually translucent, not transparent, which of course means you can see clearly through it like glass. It's translucent. It's slightly milky in color, a lot like, for example, the plastic in the average one-gallon milk container that you would get at the grocery store, okay? So it's not opaque or solid. It's not transparent. It's translucent. But when all these translucent, hollow, straw-like polar bear hairs lie down one on top of the other, especially after the polar bear has been swimming, the polar bear overall appears to be very, very white. Although what is interesting is sometimes these translucent hairs can be slightly tinted, which explains, for example, the sightings of the blue polar bear. Not really blue-blue, but it actually has a slight little hint of blue to him. And they have found other polar bears with other slight little different colored hues. Besides living the camouflaged life, this bear has several other distinctive features. The polar bear can be very big, up to 1,600 pounds, the size of a small car. It can be five feet at its shoulder on all four legs. It can still stand five feet tall at the shoulder. It can be eight feet long, but when it stands up, it can be up to 11 feet tall. Unlike other bears, the polar bear is actually an aquatic mammal. In fact, sometimes it's called a sea or a water bear. Indeed, its proper taxonomic term is Ursus maritimus. And it basically lives on floating ice flows and spends an enormous amount of its time swimming in the water, very, very cold water. Indeed, its front feet are actually webbed. It's fascinating to study winter animal camouflage, but how did some creatures obtain such a special ability? Dr. Dennis England is professor of biology at the Masters College in California. He says being capable of turning white in winter is not a skill these animals evolved, but rather is part of God's design for these cold climate dwellers. It's not mutation. It's not new genetic information. It's not where... Part of the population evolved a new potential, but it's where the organisms had built into the DNA originally from creation because God anticipated hardships, where sometimes hardships are turned into blessings. Cindy Carlson agrees and says animal camouflage characteristics all had to be in place all at the same time. 
This intricate cycle of changes, of course, is indication of design. There are multiple hormones under production by multiple glands and having effect on target tissues to produce a given effect. All must be working perfectly to cause the animal to molt one color hair and grow another. Dr. England says although more study and actual wildlife observation needs to be done, some experiments in the past have demonstrated a built-in winter camouflage ability in certain animals. It'd be quite interesting to take some snowshoe hares or similar rabbits, rather, that may be in the same kind of creation from the south, take them up north, and see if they turn white. There have been a few experiments like that that have succeeded and others didn't. But that meant that they had the potential even before they needed it. Because if you pulled an animal from the south and brought him up north and he turned white, whereas he'd never done it before, then he would have had to have had the genetic material in order to do so. But this is a neat study because this means that animals and plants, instead of mutating to adapt to new areas, new conditions, they would have built-in genetic material already there, already present within the animals. And this opens a whole new fascinating study. But even though these animals were created with the ability to turn white for the winter, how do their bodies know when to start growing in their winter coat? Cindy Carlson explains how a certain gland in these animals reacts to the amount of light in their environment. It's triggered by the length of daylight, or what we call the photoperiod. As daylight decreases and winter approaches, the pineal gland in the brain of these animals releases a certain hormone called melatonin. When enough melatonin is produced, it inhibits or stops the production of another hormone, prolactin. And that hormone is produced by the pituitary gland also in the brain. This begins the molting of the dark fur and the inhibiting of another hormone which produces color in the fur. This color-producing hormone is called melanocyte-stimulating hormone, or MSH for short. And now its production has stopped. So when the hair grows in, it's white. It has no color. When the winter is over and the daylight period begins to increase, this whole cycle of hormone production and effect begins again only in reverse. However, as Dr. England tells us, the length of the day is not necessarily the only means an animal has in determining when it's time to molt. If it were strictly photoperiod, then they would all change at the same time every year because the days get shorter the same time every year, they get longer the same time every year. So consequently, there's got to be more to it than that. It could be the photoperiod triggers the beginning of it or condition their internal clock for it, but then they have to respond to hormones, they have to respond to cold, they have to respond to the colors around them, through the eye, and this may even involve some reaction with a pineal gland in the brain as well, which is known for its biorhythm properties. If he turns white too soon, he shows up white against the dark background and he's eaten. If he shows up white too late, then he shows up brown against the white background, loses his camouflage. As we've discussed the amazing ability of some animals to turn white during the snow-laden winter months, it's plain to see the Creator's hand of protection and provision for these creatures. However, as Cindy Carlson points out, 
Animals are not the only ones in creation that require special provisions. The Bible says that we also have a big need, and God has made a provision for that need. When we see God's provision for these animals that live where there is snow in the winter and then the fur turns white, we need to think about how God has provided for us. Because as creatures made in His image and for fellowship with Him, He has made provision for us too. Now our need is to be set free from sin because we've all sinned. And God has provided salvation. And that salvation is in His Son, Jesus. And Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross. And so that provision of God for us is salvation through Jesus Christ. And you can have that today if you will accept Him as Lord. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.